this is an opportunity now to um, relax, figure out what you need to do that's going to recharge you and get you re-energized in your business and hit that reset button to have the best April you've ever had. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Alon Life Pro. Mike Gandolfo here, and I'm joined as always by New York Times bestselling author Michael Lennington and the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert. I'm really excited about today, guys, because I think this is kind of, I don't know, this is, to me, it's kind of the marking of our one-year anniversary is what I'm going to say. So I think that this bonus reset spring break episode is going to be fantastic. So first off, thank you for doing this show with me for a whole year. You've put up with me this long. Oh, it's been wonderful. This has been a labor of love that I've enjoyed so much. It's easy to put up with me for a year, isn't it, Kristen? <laughs> Without a doubt. You know, I, I, you know what I can do, Kristen, since we're doing this remotely, being COVID cautious, they, I, I can just mute him whenever I want. I just figured that out. <laughs> why, why did it take me so long to just like figure out that I can just mute him now? So there you go. So if he interrupts you, he can pay you the dollar or I can just mute him. There you go. What? I still think we should go with the dollars okay. because I've what? got... But what happens when Mike interrupts you, though? I think you just interrupted me right then there. I didn't finish that thought. Oh, crap. Here you go. Still answer my question. I love the sound effect, by the way, of the dog with the chips now going into the jar. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it sounds really good, too, on the podcast. So, all right. So let's talk about what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to have the spring break for your business, Kristen. Talk us through this. Living in northern Michigan. March is a, a big tipping point for us because we know that um, spring is still just not around the corner for us. And, and you need a break. You need to get out of that snow and cold and get some sunshine. So there's always a mass exodus in March of people leaving northern Michigan, uh, Mich Michigan in general, to go south to get get that that sunshine, relax, recharge and, and re you know, reset to come back because you're still going to have winter when you come back. So it makes me think about spring break for your business. You know, we have been January, February, March, we've hit that kind of natural lull. You may have hit a groove, a natural rhythm. You're doing okay. You may not be close to hitting your goals at all. So you've just kind of quit and you think this is an opportunity now to um, relax, figure out what you need to do. That's going to recharge you and get you re-energized in your business and hit that reset button to have the best April you've ever had. And we're going to do that reset kind of with you guys. We're almost going to walk you back through the whole process of how to write this plan and, and reset what you need to do. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, and by the way, people from Kentucky always know the people from Michigan as we drive down 65 to Florida. We're the ones passing break. all you guys. No, absolutely not. It never fails that if there's a, if, you know, because 65 is two lanes. If there's a car going slow in the fast lane, it is a white SUV from Michigan every freaking time and it's like it, i mean it's unbelievable how often people from michigan drive slowly in the fast lane it drives me insane well you know i don't know if that's true of everybody in michigan though because i i'm kind of like the other guy um if there's somebody in the fast lane that's doing less than 85 i'm kind of pissed off and i always kind of like don't I, Kristen? I, I kind of have this um, this sure thrill kind of feeling sometimes with folks. Yeah, he gets a little aggressive sometimes. Let's see how close we can get on the bumper, you know, and then the Kentucky person decides, hey, let's do a brake check. It's it's always an interesting drive with uh, Boomer. And I think uh, the per someone once told me that the reason why Michigan people drive fast or drive slow in the fast lane is because uh, they've got stuff inside the car that they don't want to get pulled over and have, you know, 
be found. So be found with. That's probably true. The other reason is, is that when it's icy and, and you know snowy and all that crap in Michigan, you got to be you can't drive that fast. So we kind of we've learned how not to drive fast, and then you know we get where it's warm and there's no snow. We it's hard to abandon those those driving. Yeah, we've uh, got that muscle tools. memory. <laughs> All right, so let's go through this real quick. Uh, we kind of talked at the last episode about which one's the hardest to do. I think for most of the business people out there, I have imag- I imagine that the toughest one for them to do is to just flat out relax. Business owners in general, I I don't suffer from this, as my wife will tell you. Like I can turn it off and relax when I want to relax. But I think a lot of business owners in general have trouble relaxing. Do you find that with your coaching clients, Kristen? Absolutely, and I am probably the worst one. Um, you know, when I point my fingers at my clients for not relaxing, I've got three of them pointing right back at me. And I think Michael can attest that I very rarely shut off the the business, do I? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the one of the things that I've noticed is that you interweave business and personal time a lot. And I know the heart of service that you have, but I think I think that's that's a challenge for you too, because there are times when you need time for you. Oh, I I definitely agree with that because there are times when I start to get a little irritated, like, you know, I I, I need this time and, but it's not my clients that are demanding the time from me. It's me giving too much of my time to them. And because I can't relax, there's no time for me to recharge. You hear the, the horror stories, I guess, of, you know, people who go on vacation, but they take all their stuff from work to go on vacation and they, you know, especially in the real estate world, maybe they're writing contracts or whatever else. And their kids are just like looking at them like, are we going to get to go to the beach? <laughs> I mean, you know, and um, yeah, give me one more second. Let me send one more email. Let me just answer this one, one more text right. and then we'll go. And all that's doing the damage it does on the other side of, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you think it's such a small thing, but the compounding of that happening over and over and over again, just really weighs on the other people that you're with, that you're trying to relax with. And, You've got to be able to disconnect. I mean, the reality of it is most of us are not in emergency services, life or death, death services. You know, it does not require the attention that we think it requires. And there's always this sense, I guess, of I need to make sure that I'm available so that they, they feel like they need me so that they don't go somewhere else. And, And you can really plan around that and make sure that you can disconnect and be present, be where you are so that you can recharge and come back ready to go even better. So Yeah, and I, I don't want to be too contrary, but I think I think in general, if you've got clients that demand that you're available hundred percent of the time and they can just reach out to you and get your attention, those are probably the clients you do want to go find somebody else. In Absolutely. General. In general, but I also think that there's a problem with setting the expectations on the business professional side uh, up front, you know, a lot of us don't want to say, Hey, here's the expectations. You know, if you call if you text me after nine o'clock, I'm going to probably get back to you the next day, you know, that kind of thing. And I tell my clients all the time, if you, if you're in the middle of the night and you need to text me something so you don't forget it, that's fine. But just know that I'm not going to answer you till the next morning, you know, because the reality of it is, is we don't as going from the consumer side to the working with someone else, we don't expect other people to be 24 uh, seven. The only person, and so when we set that proper expectation, we're good. We know that people go on vacation. You know, if if I was working with you guys and we were still looking for a house, and I said, "Hey, just want to let you know I'm going to be out of town for a couple of days on vacation," what would your reaction have been? Have fun. We'll talk to you when you get back. Right, right. <laughs> so, and in our mind, you know, they're like, 
they're going to find the house that they want to buy. They're going to go, you know, buy it with someone else and you know, blah, 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 blah. And we put Maybe all these. Remembering all the times we took notes around Greg Chaplin's right. yeah. PowerPoint presentation. Exactly. <laughs> all these fears, though, pop in that aren't really, you know, right. it's false evidence appearing real. It's a fear. So, um, you know, this is our spring break episode. Yep. And this conversation is, is pretty much how the last two weeks with my clients have gone. I need some time off. I'm going away with my family. Help me, give me some pointers on and some verbiage to talk to my clients about to let them know that I'm not abandoning them, but I also need my time to be the best that I can be for you when I come back. Right. And I think it's also having the proper pieces in place, like making sure mm -hmm. that you've got someone that can help them out and uh, while you're gone. You know, I, I think I think a lot of that too, Kristen, is mindset. Because if I have if I have a relationship with a doctor that I think is pretty good, a good doctor, and the doctor's going on vacation, he doesn't explain to me that he's going to be unavailable. He just goes on vacation. Says you can't meet with me. I'm gone. And I think to some degree, we don't we 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 eliminate the space we have to do that in our own head before our clients do that. And so I think I think it's just knowing that you don't have to ask permission. To you have to communicate it. I'm not going to be in, but you're not asking permission. Exactly. No, that's a great point, Michael. You're, you're exactly right. It's like, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, I think it comes back to, you know, how much of an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset you have, knowing that most people are going to wait for you. The people who you want to wait are going to wait. You know, mm -hmm. the people who value what you do and don't look at you as a commodity, they want you because you're a professional. They're going to wait. So yeah, that's, that's, that's so good, Mike. And I just want to come back to your example of the you're sitting in the hotel room doing emails when the kids are, hey, let's go to the pool, let's go to the beach. And you're saying, just a minute. The, the priorities that we make in life are are the ones that we choose. They're, they're not they're not hard and fast. They're just how we choose those priorities. And so I think it, in general, because I'm guilty of what you just said. I, I'm guilty. I, I can remember times that I've done that with my kids. And, and looking back on it, I think sometimes just realizing what are my real priorities and making decisions based on my priorities, because we fool ourselves. You know, when we say, hey, I'll just be another minute, that's what we're thinking, that that's true. But it's a minute after minute after minute, time after time after time. And pretty soon, you know, you're, you're, the lies you're telling yourself in your head about, hey, this is, this is just getting this stuff done. It's really because you look at those clients that, that you don't want to lose as being more important than the, the time with your kids and going to the beach. Regardless of how you rationalize that, that's exactly what you're doing. And that's a message you're sending to your kids. And at the end of the day, which clients do you want to matter to most, your kids or the folks that bought a house from you? And, and I think where I struggle with that is that there's an urgency at work, right? If I don't get this done, something bad is going to happen now. But if I damage a relationship, it's going to be over time and I can always make it up. And, it, you know, and, and I think we're, we've deluded ourselves on that stuff. Well, and then, you know, relax is number one. We're going to talk about recharge, too. You don't recharge unless you turn it off. The recharge cannot happen if you're gonna, if you're staying on, or it's not going to be as efficient or as as effective. You know, it could be worse, couldn't it? it and you're could resenting be, yeah. the fact that you're you're giving up your personal time for this client, and yeah, so it's it's not good all the way around. And that recharge is just as uh, is just important for you to kind of get through. And and I told uh, as Kristen said, I, I guess this is where you struggle the most, right? So. You know, I always told people that, uh, you know, if who get when they get in the business, when they get into the, the real estate business, that they always have to have time to recharge. They got to figure out how they're going to recharge. And I said, like, like, for example, doing these podcasts for me is a way to recharge. It's a way to give back. And I, I like to do it. So if you thought, think of your capacity as a glass, right? And if you're if your glass is full and as you go throughout the day and you're constantly just having more and more taken out of your of your drinking glass. You know, and if we get to the bottom, 
you know, at the end of the day, if I don't recharge, whatever's left over is all I got to give to my family. It's all I got to give to my kids, whatever else. If I don't figure out a way to kind of refill the glass, then I'm always going to be operating at this like bottom 10% to give to whoever needs it. And there's going to come a time in that time in, in my life when I'm going to be operating at 10% and someone's going to really need as much as I can give them, whether it's a family member, uh, my spouse or a client. And I got to make sure that that glass is filled because that's going to make me better serve other people. Again, whether it's in the business side or the personal side. So You're better serving yourself too, Mike, don't you think? I mean, sometimes yeah, absolutely. We, we, we put our own desires, our own passions uh, down to, to serve others. And if we never even pursue our own stuff, we lose energy too. I, I love that idea. You're talking about with a glass. All right. So let's get into the reset. So this is going to be the bulk of our episode. And now I think it's a great time to reset. And the, one of the best ways to reset is with a new goal. Um, and I'll tell you. I absolutely agree. And I'll tell you one of the things that Chrissy and I just experienced this last week is we're getting ready for registration for the next high school year. So we're going into what could possibly want to be one of the most expensive years of our life because we're going to have two kids in private high school at the same time, Catholic high school um, at one time, which is it's the only time that my, my daughter's is going to be a senior. And there's all kinds of other expenses that go with senior year. And then my son's going to be a freshman. So we got in the mail, we got the how do you want to pay tuition. And so you get, you have the ability to pay it all in one lump sum. And you get a little bit of a tuition break if you pay it up front all one lump sum. And so Christy comes to me. She's like, well, what do you want to do? What do you, how do you, what, what should we do? I was like, we're going to check that, you know, it's due in July. We're going to check that lump sum box. And that's our goal. We now have a very concrete goal to go out for the next, you know, 12 weeks to make sure that we can accomplish that goal and pay the tuition in one lump sum at the beginning of the year. I think you have to find those things. Where's, what's the goal going to be? How, how are you going to move that finish line for yourself and, and make it meaningful again? So any thoughts on that, Kristen? I, I absolutely love that. Uh, Michael and I just came up with our new goal too. We found a cottage in Northern Michigan that we want to spend our summers up there because I love Kentucky. Don't tell people where it's that because we don't want any competition. We don't want anybody. <laughs> we don't want any competition. But the water and the summers in Northern Michigan are are some of the the best in the world, in my opinion. It also feeds into we're looking at retirement, not tomorrow, but soon. We're of that age, and so we're looking at multiple streams of income and and what we can do to increase those and you know all these great ideas, but this cottage kind of is the the impetus to a new goal for us you know more real estate investment we can rent it out we can spend time there it gives us a chance to be closer to the grandkids more often um so that's that's our goal we 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 are looking at getting that cottage and so setting that bar then just will is a, is a great way to kind of re-energize you for this this push that you can have in the spring and summertime michael do you want to add something yeah because i think so so when you told chrissy that you wanted to do the lump sum payment in july did that give you any anxiety no a little bit nervousness nope okay. i think that's because i say that I think that's I the, that if a goal doesn't scare you it's probably not big enough well i agree with that now so i guess though i'm going to take that from just a different angle of why it didn't scare me I have found that that's when I perform the best. When I commit myself to being somewhere three months from now and then I gotta go make it happen. So it'd have been different if if we didn't have to commit for it today, right? So we committed for it. Like it goes back to when we took our family trip to Italy. 
I bought the plane tickets seven months before we left or six months before we left and had no idea how we were going to pay for the whole thing, had nothing else planned out. But, you know, at that point I committed to it and I was going to have to go for it. So if I would have said, if we could wait till July to make that tuition payment, for example, I probably would not be in the position to make the tuition. I could set the goal and I, we probably would have missed it. But since we committed for it, it's like, all right, let's go make it happen. It It is a, it definitely is a, big number to kind of have that outlay right off the bat and have, you know, right a $30,000 worth of tuition in one month. So that is, that is somewhat scary, but I think just knowing how I operate, like that commitment was made and now we can go for it. That was a lot of rambling. I apologize. No, I, I like it. So, so the reason I, I said that was because, you know, the cottage also creates a fear, right? I mean, there's like, so we got to, got to put together, we just bought a house. Now we we're talking about buying a cottage and, you know, the, all of the, the assets, the, the, the money money that's got to be put away to, to get the cottage and all that stuff and then the, the, the ongoing maintenance and, and payments and so i think sometimes if a goal doesn't scare you you're probably not stretching enough so right you know there's, there's uncertainty and some of the, so so there's this this level of of anxiety or or um uncertainty around a goal that kind of like you said it drives you right so there's there's this point at which this this tension is productive and it kind of says, okay, well, if I'm going to make this happen, that means I got to do this, this, and this. And it creates an energy and focus to do that stuff. If your goal is too big, you can kind of like be the deer in the headlights kind of thing, like, oh, crap, that goal's way too big. I'm not going to make it. And that's probably unproductive. It's that ideal, the ideal point of when you set these resets, right, when you reset your goals, that you want a goal that's going to cause you to have to do things differently. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be stretched a little bit. Um, and so that's, that's the power of a good goal. If, if you're going to hit the goal, just automatically it's not a goal it's not really working for you and actually in this case it's kind of cool because it's a goal that supports another goal and i i'm uh, one of uh, one of our listeners is a guy by nick costco and jim oliver and they do this thing called infinite banking and uh, i'm an infinite banking client of theirs and my premium is due in june and so i can pay my premium in june and then use my banking system to pay tuition in july that's actually like the the ultimate goal of how wow. I can make the whole thing happen. So it's like inception. Yes. I love it. So if you want to learn more about the infinite banking thing, go get the book, Be Your, become your own banker by Nelson Nash and, and then uh, get in contact with Nick and Jim. It's, it's good stuff. So resetting, resetting, let's, let's get back on topic. Let's talk about resetting. Let's, reset. let's reset this conversation. <laughs> let's talk about writing a good goal. All right. Like writing a meaningful goal. And, and our audience has heard us say this time and time again, we probably almost at least one episode a month, talk about the goals and how to, to do a smart goal. And it's that, that reinforcement of those, those core skill sets that we want to keep, keep going, you know, just because you're a great basketball player doesn't mean that you can just rely on your own laurels. You, you've got to practice, you've got to keep drilling those skills and part of having a good skill set in your business is being able to write a clear and concise plan. And that starts with a clear and concise goal statement. And it's got to be smart. When you talk about the smart goals, everyone's heard of the smart goals, I think, before. The specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Or there's there's different R's. I know that. Right. Um, reachable, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. The thing that makes what we talk about in goal setting so much different is that the number one thing for us is before it's a smart goal is the emotional connection to the goal. Absolutely. If you don't have that emotional connection, if it's just something nice to have, 
the goal is not it, it it's going to be meaningless and you're just going to do what's comfortable day to day you don't have to get outside that comfort zone you won't feel that fear you won't have that productive tension you'll just it's status quo in a prior episode we talked about it's complacency and complacency are where goals die so if you don't have that emotional connection your goal's already dead in the water yeah, because so the thing about that is, from my perspective, Kristen, is that you've got this goal that that you really have an emotional connection to, and all of us have had those goals multiple times in our lives. Where when we when we had that goal, we were just so connected with the goal that whatever came up, whatever whatever barrier rose, it was almost effortless. It wasn't effortless, but it was. It felt like okay, it's just one more thing I'm going to get done, one more problem I got to solve to get to where I want to be, and it, and the effort in that. Um, almost was part of the the journey that was enjoyable, right? Because we were so focused on the goal. The other way to approach a goal is to have a goal you don't have an emotional connection to. And then what you're focused on is not the goal, but you're focused on the work between you and it. And that work is going to cost your comfort. Your It's going to stress you out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be always easier not to do the work than it is to do it. So if you don't have that pull of the goal, you typically get lost in in all the work and then you you back off. So that emotional connection, we're not just saying that because it's it's you know sounds good. If you don't have an emotional connection to your goal, you're very likely to not hit it. So I have a very strong emotional connection to my kids going to Catholic high school. Both these high schools are important to my family. That where my son's going, he's our family goes back uh, over a hundred years, all the way back to 1910. That that is very clear to me. So is it as simple as just saying, I will be able, I will pay $30,000 in tuition by July 15th? Is that as, is that as simple of a goal as you're going to be able to get? My knee-jerk reaction was to say, yeah, you want your goal statement to be simple and resonate. But yet, when I heard you state it like that, it's like, eh, it's not too exciting. Okay, so how do we, um, how do we beef it up? That is a great question. So let's start with your emotional connection. You, you talked about that. So maybe you write your goal statement in a way that says to enable to continue the family tradition of my kids' success in this Catholic high school, our family history, I will have their tuition paid up front by July. And that's measurable? That's specific? There's the emotional connection in there? I like it. Michael, what were you going to say? That's something we haven't done before. We haven't put the emotional connection piece into the goal statement. And it just occurred to me, you know, we get very granular and, and very data detailed but I, I like the fact that, you know, when I heard you say your goal statement, it, it did nothing for me. It's not my goal. So it, but yet at the same time, you want to have a statement that once we kind of change it around, you start saying why it was important. You know, there's been a hundred year history of your family going to this high school. You want to continue that tradition. There's kind of this birthright thing that goes on. Um, when you start talking about that, I started to get excited yeah. about your goal for right. you and your kids. I could I could envision Rocco starting his freshman year at this school. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I, I think there's an aspect of having a very specific and measurable goal that helps you write tactics, because because the the goal is only achieved by the actions you take to make it happen, right? So so from a you're right, Kristen. From a technical perspective, we we often coach people make the goal as specific and as measurable as you can and concise as you can. But there's a there's a there's an emotional connection that isn't about conciseness and specific and measurable. It's it's the it's the kind of hard to describe, hard to hard to articulate elements of that goal that really create that emotional connection. So with the cabin, for me, it's probably different for you, but for me, you know, I grew up in northern Michigan and I have I have all these memories of these fantastic summers in northern Michigan with the family on Torch Lake, you know, uh, swimming and swimming, kick, diving for driftwood, picking up Petoskey stones, all of that stuff with my brothers, my mom and my dad, my aunts and uncles, all that stuff 
that's that's hard to kind of put into a goal is kind of what this this cottage is doing for me because I it's not that I'm going to have all those folks back in my life but what I am going to do is have that kind of connection to my history and and what I love to do um, the beauty of Northern Michigan, the beauty of, of the, of the water up there. And just the, the, the times we're going to have with our kids, with our friends. And that's the stuff that, that, you know, I, I, I don't envision myself in a speedo cassette because that's going to mess up your, your thing, but I can see myself in, in my swimming trunks out in the water, kind of just, just lay in there and kind of watching the, the clouds go over. And, and I can see myself there right now, that, that connection outside of the speedo thing, which I'm sure just derailed everybody, but that, that, that connection with that visual, I can see myself in the water. I can see the cabin. I can see the lake. I can see the sky. And that is what, what I'm, makes me excited not the not the, the amount of money i gotta put down not the not the, the you know doing all that technical stuff that's just part of the pathway there it goes back to some of that relaxation piece and that recharging piece because i think about what that cabin can mean in terms of my relationships with my kids and my grandkids i think about it in terms of what it means for our real estate portfolio and our investment and our return on that investment there's you know when, when i heard you talk about your past um as a kid in Northern Michigan and then on the waters in Northern Michigan. I thought about some of the times we were on the water with our kids when they were little. And although they were great times, I, I didn't relax because it was such a stressful time trying to go do all these things with these little kids and pack and drive up and drive back. And this gives us a base of operation. It gives us a place where we don't have to stress out about anything. We go there, we're just there. And then we get to have the family come visit. And it's just a, a a bigger, more relaxing future that really, really excites me. Yeah. Can I add to that? Because you're exactly right. There's no panicked drive home on Sunday afternoon. I'm trying to get back in time so we get enough sleep so we can start work on Monday morning. That does that goes away because there's really super fast internet up there too. We could just stay up there and work all summer, which is kind of exciting to me too, because it doesn't become this this stressful hurry up and relax, right? kind of thing. So that's, that's a great point. And so that's the other thing is we share your goals and you share kind of the elements of what excites you. You can pick, you can steal from others. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a great. Yeah. I think that's powerful. Well, so then, you know, so when I heard two things, either somehow putting the emotional connection in your goal when you write it. And I think there would be some argument on whether you should put it up front or you should put it behind. Like I want to be able to pay $30,000 worth of tuition because, or I want, you know, the, the first part comes or you have that visual, you know, the, the thing that you're constantly looking at that gives that emotional connection to why you're doing what you're doing on a daily basis. And when you can take the emotional connection with the goal and you can have it fuel your daily execution, you know, so when you don't want to do something, if you can equate the fact that you're doing this stuff on the daily basis because it, you know that's getting you one step closer to that cabin in Michigan, you know, if you're writing the book, you know, every chapter I write, it get me one step closer to the cabin in Michigan. That's uh, it, it changes perspectives pretty quickly. So yeah, then the book, the chapters don't become things that I've got to deliver. They become okay. There's there's the dock. Right. There's the pontoon boat. You know, if, if my book does well, maybe it's just you know, there's the there's the doormat in front of the door. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is that that connection of the work to the thing. Is, is what what I was talking about earlier. You kind of you kind of lift your eyes from the work to the goal. So then let's go on then to how do we then take the goal and we put the plan together to make it happen. And Kristen starts with mind mapping, right? Absolutely. Um, the mind mapping is the most important piece. And actually, I've kind of rephrased mind mapping 
I started calling it bubble planning. Okay. We start with bubbles and, and what we want our plan to look like. And then we get more granular with the bubbles and the tactics come out of it. And so what's evolved from this is I've got some clients who have used different techniques to uh, track planning or score planning. And it's been, been kind of difficult sometimes. Um, this has been a really visual linear way for them to um, look at their plans and take action on it. And some people use it on a daily basis. Some people use it on a weekly basis. The point being is it's, it's visual and you can have your vision on that as well. It's in color and more yeah we've got one you can't see our visual but we we mind map we bubble plan our episodes yeah and and highlight where we're going to go from there sometimes we go off on tangents your business plans can go off on tangents sometimes but you've always got that visual to keep you in line it's great stuff right there uh, and so when you mind map you basically you put your goal in the middle and then you come down and you start just basically brain dumping every possible way you could achieve that goal everything you could do to to achieve the goal, right? Right. And it's not just things that you think are realistic. It's, it's, get you want to get create, you want to get ridiculous. You want to dump everything out of there. I've told this story before. We had a guy who needed a cash infusion. And so one of the, one of the ideas on how to get some money very quickly was, well, sell a kidney. Right. Now we're not advocating <laughs> again. We're not advocating, you know, organ selling, but or breaking those, the law. Exactly. Yeah. But those are the things that get you to start thinking about, okay, well, I can't sell a kidney, but what else can I do? Well, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And you've got all these ideas. Then you've got this, this brain dump of ideas and you go, okay, which is the most feasible, which is the most um, realistic in getting action and result, or excuse me, not action. But if you take action on, we'll get you the results today. So those are the, the things I think make the mind mapping really go is when you got that this list it's like which ones are am i most likely to actually do like what which ones can i say that i will actually do these things and then out of that which ones have the biggest impact on the result that i want to get and then you you basically say okay well this is the one that if i have my list of the ones that i'm actually you know most likely to execute on and then i look at that list and i say okay well this one would have the biggest impact it's as simple as saying is like if i only do this will i be able to to achieve the goal that I want to have. Yeah, if it only takes one thing, just do one thing. And then Michael, that's eventually how you get to the as few as possible, but as many as necessary on the plan tactics, right? Yeah, so you want to be your own best friend. When you're in the planning phase, you can imagine you have infinite capacity and and you don't. And so you got to be careful you don't overload your plan. So yeah, you're exactly right. That that winnowing down of all the things you could do to just the vitally most important things um, that are going to drive your goal, then then that really helps. So I wanted to add something though about the the bubble planning thing you were talking about, Kristen, because as you were talking about it, you were talking about taking the goal that you've already got ownership in, and then and then mind mapping out the actions you could take to hit the goal, which I think is a, a key part. That's why it's called a bubble plan. But there's also potentially a way to do that with your vision just before you come to the actions is why that vision is important. Because what we were just talking about in, in your concept of the, the concept of the time we have on on the on the beach at the cottage is is one of the things that I hadn't even thought about. But but the cottage allows us because we can work there, allows us to stay there longer. So I think I think as I would do this, I would start first with mind mapping 
the why why is that tuition payment important like you know what what are all the family things that that does the tradition things that that does the the opportunities it creates for your kids what does that do in terms of of you know your sense of being a good father all that stuff that really has that emotional if you think more about that in the beginning i think that helps you then to to really take even greater ownership of that that goal so that then the plan tactics become easier to execute so i like i love the idea you were talking about kristen but I, I would even suggest um, kind of mind map and why that goal is important before you mind map the tactics and have two different mind maps. I think that's a great idea. And I th and not to diminish what you just said, but to add to it, there's also a third mind map that can go along with that. It came out of a conversation with one of my clients yesterday. There was a to-do list mind map. And there was, I think sometimes when we, we mind map, there's a lot of to-do list stuff in there. It's not strategic in nature and we get caught up in the easy stuff. So we mind map the to-do list and we mind map the strategic plan. And then we looked at what was delegatable and we assigned it to team members and they got that bubble plan. That's theirs to run with. And, and my client who's working more on the strategic side of the business only has her things on her plan and she's not being distracted by those, those things she wants to feel like she's still in control of or things that need her attention that really are not the things that are going to put her business forward. But I know I that is. I add one thing about mind mapping and that's that, you know, we talk about it as brainstorming and that's, that's clearly true. But it, but the thing about mind mapping that's exciting is that it's not a linear process. So, you know, when you're building a house, there's a set of stages you go through to, to get the house completed. And, and that's not what we're talking about. It's not, it's not kind of creating that blueprint for the, how you're going to build a house. It's, it's letting yourself kind of just imagine all the different things you could do. And you're going to get a long list of stuff, right? And not all of it's going to come, come relevant, but the way that you, your brain works, there's all these connections and ideas that kind of pop up and you want to capture all that stuff. And sometimes when you're, when you're mind mapping, you're going to get to a point where you hit a brick wall. There's like, you, oh, there's nothing else. That's when you need to kind of just stick with it and just let that kind of percolate a bit because then there's going to be a second wave. And typically that second wave has got some even more interesting stuff in it. And then if you hit that second barrier, right, that second place where you think I'm, I'm done, just live with that. And then that third wave has even more meaning because in the beginning, mind map, we just throw out the stuff we're already aware of, kind of already in our consciousness, the, the to-do list stuff you were talking about, Kristen. And then the second wave is more of the strategic stuff, but then the, the really powerful, impactful stuff comes often in the third wave of that. So, so stick with the mind map. You know, you don't have to sit down for three hours. You just get to a point and then come back to it later if you have to, but, but just giving yourself the time to really think about what's important before you start to execute. Because you can execute really lame stuff, or you can execute the really powerful stuff. All right. So I'm going to go back to the tactics side real quick. Is that okay? Or Kristen, did you have something else you wanted to add? No, I was just thinking if this is spring break, we're getting really in-depth, and we're going to stress people out, and they're not, <laughs> not going to get recharged. Because and, and it's not because we're trying to you know dump all this information. We are very passionate about right. what we do. And, and we know that this stuff works. And so sometimes we tend to overload, um, you know, like drinking out of a fire hose. So my suggestions are, is maybe we rein this in a little bit. I do believe we need to talk about the tactics. Yeah. So we've, we've got the smart goal with the emotional connection. So I now think that's, and, that's where it starts, right? The smart goal with the yes. emotional connection. If you come through a smart goal with the emotional connection on your spring break, that's fantastic. If you've been able to identify as many tactics as uh, necessary, but as few as possible, then that's a huge win. And now it comes down to how you write these tactics. And it's understanding that there's two different types of tactics. There's tactics that you're going to do every week of your plan, right? There's, there's those tactics that you're going to have to do every week of your plan. And then there's tactics that are going to be due at certain times uh, throughout the plan. 
Uh, maybe it's, and it's things that you just only do once. So Michael, you are excellent at talking to people about how to write the tactic because the I think most people think that, oh, I'll just write a bullet point and put 20 lead generation calls a day and then think that's a tactic. Why is that not a tactic? Well, um, that's pretty close to a tactic. So conduct or make a minimum of 20 lead gen calls daily could be a tactic. And I think, I think though you're right, Mike, you're on to something about how you write the tactics. You could be your own worst enemy or your own best friend in terms of how you set up those tactics. Because when you're, when you're in the moment and you're building out your plan, temptation is just to bullet point stuff out like that. But then when that plan tactic comes due in say week four or five or six, you got to stop and say, what does this actually mean? Is one thing. So sometimes you want to, you want to set yourself up to know exactly what you were talking about. The other thing is, is if you're vague about how you write your tactics, then you have a lot of wiggle room in terms of, well, did I get it done or not? Right. So if I had like, say, for example, get referrals on my, it's just, as a tactic in my plan, you know, that's so vague that, you know, I could give myself some wiggle room. So if I have like referrals stuff, I thought about them in the shower. I thought about them on the way into work. I'll mark that off. And we get, we tend to give ourselves huge passes. Um, we, we look at other people and we can identify where they're not doing their jobs correctly. The actions they're not doing, but we give ourselves huge passes. And so, because we know our intention. And so we intended to do that. So I'm going to give myself some credit. The reality is though, the world only rewards what I got done. And so you want to set your plan up so you, you can't have that wiggle room. Your tactic is specific and measurable. It describes an action you're going to take in the week that it's due. And when you take that action, you know, you're moving towards your goal. The tactics have got to be written almost like you, someone else was going to carry them out and you need to tell them exactly what they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's I like what I always tell Mike. Sorry, Michael. I interrupted I'm not really you. sure who interrupted who, actually. I'm, I'm going to call that a jump Sometimes ball. Sometimes... Yeah, sometimes yeah, jump ball. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Chris, I don't, I'll defer to you because I, I don't want to. You know, I only got two dollars left. So, <laughs> to that point, that's that's what I tell my clients. You know, I may not be an industry expert. So, real estate, for example, Mike, I don't know all the nuances of real estate, but your plan should be written enough that those core foundational actions that you are wanting to take to drive your business forward. I can clearly look at that tactic and understand what it means. Now, I may not have the expertise to execute it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I could try to do it. I could at least make an a, a attempt at it. And it starts, so, you know, you talk about the tactic starts with an action verb. It's, and it literally goes all the way through to almost where and when you're going to do something. I mean, it's got to be that crystal clear. And then that way, you're basically, when you're writing this tactic, number one, you can think of it as I'm writing instructions for someone else to have to follow them through. Like if you're a science major, how you had to write your lab reports when you were in, in school. Or you can think of it in terms of you're painting the exact picture. Like when you're writing this tactic, you're painting such a detailed picture of what you're doing that you can visualize and see yourself of accomplishing that tactic and that just increases your likelihood of actually getting it done when it comes time to do it. So, because yeah, our brains don't know the difference between planning and action. So, if you have this clear, concise plan that you've put together with very clear, executable tactics, it's practice the first time you actually execute because right. your brain's already thinking that you've done this. So, just remember your tactics need to be a complete sentence. I mean, that's that's really important that you're writing this instruction manual. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, and the the complete sentence and, and describing an action that you're going to take right. in the week that it's due. Right. 
Okay, I, you know, I think we can kind of stop there. It's, we've, we've definitely gone on to one of our longer episodes, although I thought there was a lot of really good stuff here. I mean, we could have gone on, gone further into scoring and all that kind of stuff, but for the the plan reset that we want to do, it's goal and tactics, and that's what we hammered on. Um, I thought it was really good. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, if, if you found this information valuable, please share the Alarm Life Pro with somebody you know that you think would benefit from listening to these three gas bags uh, talk about execution techniques. In April, we're going to be back, and we're going to be talking about spring cleaning. Uh, Kristen, you want to chime in and give anybody a preview about that? Yeah, so everybody tends to think of April, spring cleaning, open up the windows, air out the house, all that kind of stuff. And it's great to do that in your home, but how often do we think about doing that in our business? And so we're going to have some real actionable type things in this uh, episode, uh, in this month, and uh, hopefully you'll find it really valuable. So you will find it very valuable. Tune in. Share it. We'll see you next month. Michael? I was just going to say, you must find it really valuable. Yes. Because that's kind of what you're leading up to. That's right. All right. We'll see you in April. Thanks. Thanks.